This is a podcast that covers leadership, relevant hot topics, encouragement, stories, and the future of the church. We're real, raw, relevant, and have a ridiculous amount of fun. Now let's get into today's episode of Unscripted with IMF. Well, welcome everyone. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Bill Goodwin and I am pastor of strategic partnerships here at IMF. I'm just really honored to be with you uh, on this podcast, IMF Unscripted. And I'm super excited to introduce our guest here in just a moment. But before I do that, I'm also excited because I have one of my co-workers uh, sitting right here beside me as my sidekick, and she's just incredible. And I want to introduce the Director of Marketing here at IMF as my co-host today, uh, Heather Preck. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to be on here with you guys today. This is going to be fun. Our guest of honor today is going to be just spectacular. So... Yes, we got a great conversation. So, hey, if you're available, if you're able to grab a pen and paper, you're probably going to want to jot down some notes. And uh, if you're driving while you're listening, hey, stay focused on the road. Don't veer off. You're going to be like, you're going to be blessed up and down and all around as Heather and I have this great conversation uh, with one of our fellow IMF family members. And we're just super excited. Uh, let me just tell you about her. She is the founder and the leader, servant leader of Global Seed Planters. Uh, you're going to hear a, an incredible backstory, an incredible story of how the Lord is using her and her ministry literally all around the world. And there's going to be some incredible, encouraging nuggets for you, our listening audience. So Heather, are you ready for us to introduce our guest today? I am super ready. We've already been blessed as we've been talking with her before we've started today, and you guys are going to be just as blessed. Oh my goodness. Well, it is my honor. It's my, my dear friend. We, 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 we were just reconnecting. It's been a few years, but uh, so will you please welcome to IMF Unscripted, our guest today, Diane Brask. We're so glad that you're with us, Diane. I am thrilled to be with you guys as well. It's really an honor to be here. I love IMF, and I love the opportunity to talk about just how much God is doing in the world today. Oh, he's so good. The Lord is just doing such great things. Well, let's get started. I mean, let's just jump right in. Um, uh, Heather, why don't you just begin there, and let's let's find out a little bit about Diane's uh, backstory as we get started. Yeah. Diane, why don't you um, tell us, when did God call you into ministry? I think that's such a great question, Heather. Uh, I actually can tell you the date, the time, the hour. I love that. Almost to the minute. Just like, you know, Moses, when did God mm -hmm. call him? When he saw the burning bush. Mm -hmm. I mean, Moses could go back and say, and this is the time. Mm -hmm. Paul could say, on the road to Damascus, right? And so for me, it was December 31st, 1979, at Urbana, Illinois, wow. at the Missions Conference at Urbana. That's when God called me into ministry. My goodness. Okay, now this is, this is, this is so unscripted right here. By chance, was John Maxwell one of the speakers at that? No. Do you remember? I do not remember, but I can tell you who was the speaker at that last hour. Yeah. From 11 o'clock till the stroke of midnight, that's when Urbana ends. And the speaker was Dr. Billy Graham. Wow. My goodness. And, and I'll give you a little taste of what it was, because I still remember his talk. So he's up there saying, hey, this is not a crusade. 
I'm you know, known as Billy Graham, the evangelist, but I know mm-hmm. that my crowd is different. You guys are mainly Christian college students at a missions conference. So I have something different to share with you, and this was the, the guts of it. Mm-hmm. You've probably been challenged throughout your life to set goals, goals for your life and steps of how you are going to achieve those goals. And you've been doing that since you were little, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I want to be on the soccer team. I want to be the top student in my class. I want to learn to play this instrument and be in the marching band. Or I want to be the star basketball player, Mm -hmm. and I want to get a scholarship for college. So he said, all your life, you've been challenged. Write down those goals that you have for your life and then go after them. And so you, as you become a college student, um, you probably thought about, okay, this is what I want my major to be. This is my career path. When I graduate from college, I want to get this job at this company. I want to make X amount of money. Mm-hmm. I want to marry my high school sweetheart or my mm-hmm. college sweetheart at this time. Maybe I want to get established a little, but at 25, I want to get married. Mm-hmm. I want us to live here. I want to have 2.5 kids, yeah, <laughs> one yeah. boy and one girl and yeah. a half of something else. In a minivan. Yeah. Yeah. In the Dodge minivan, right? right. <laughs> and he said, You probably prayed about all mm-hmm. these things. Because you're Christians, right? And you've wanted God to make them come true. So you have prayed, you've asked the Lord to bless your plans. What you really want is for God to sign his name on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. On your plan. On your plan, mm-hmm. exactly. But this is the kicker, Heather. He said, now I want you in your mind's imagination. You flip that piece of paper over. Now it's blank. Sign your name. On the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest reason I'm sitting right here today. This is so good. I can't wait to hear the rest <laughs> of this. Know, Sign lo- your name on the bottom and hold it up to God and say, my life is not my own. Mm-hmm. It's yours. And it's unscripted. That's a good reminder. It's not my script that's on these plans. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do mm-hmm. it. Whatever you want me to be, you're the one who created me with your plan. So I am willing to just, you know, erase all my plans and hold this blank piece of paper up to you and say, you're on, God. I'll do anything. Mm -hmm. I'll be anything. Billy Graham's challenge changed my life. Absolutely. I I mean, completely changed my life. I sat there stunned. If you guys would have asked me, is Jesus your Savior and Lord before he spoke? Absolutely, I would have told you for sure. When he got done, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) I did know. I thought, you know what? I like to steer. Like, you know, do I want God in my life? Absolutely. But probably in the back seat Mm -hmm. and keeping quiet. You know, I want him there. I want him to be part of my life. But don't steer. Mm -hmm. Because what if he steers it in a path I would not have chosen, and down a road I don't want to be on. Right. Right? Because he does that. Right. And so, yeah, I, everybody else left. Ding, 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 1980, right? And I sat glued to my seat, and I said, you're on. Here's my blank piece of paper, and 
I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll be anything. It doesn't matter what I wrote down. It doesn't matter my plans and goals. I want to do what you want me to do. Wow. That is so powerful. Wow. I love that. I still cry when I think about it, you I, know? That is so powerful. And, you know, that's impacting our lives as we're having this mm-hmm. conversation. I'm, I'm sure there's some listeners really out there that is. are saying, I needed that today. Um, you it know, really often is. we want to know what is God's will for my life. That'd be a whole nother podcast. But that really sets up, really tees up. You're you're surrendered to the Lord and the Lord calling you into ministry. See, that's where I can say, Bill. So critical. Nineteen seventy nine, December thirty first. God called me between eleven and twelve o'clock. Wow. That's when I got a call, and I'll tell you what it was. Because then when I said, "I'll do anything," you got anything in mind, Lord? Because I graduate from Bethel in five months, and so if you had a different plan for my life, I'd say you should probably speak up. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, I'm from a background where God doesn't talk to yeah, you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, that's my background. You just read your Bible, right, right? Right, But God, I couldn't find anything in the Bible where this is what you do when you graduate from Bethel, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and so I ha- was not used to a dialogue with God. And so I just looked up and said, anything else in mind? And I hear not an audible voice right. like mm-hmm. us talking, yeah, yep. but so loud in my head. Yes, as a matter of fact, I did. Or I do. And wow. I, I, I literally, caught me by surprise. I kind of jolted up and I said, really? Well, what? And he said, you're close. I want you to work with troubled high school students. But do you really believe that social work has the answer? Because I was uh, majoring in social work. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that Freud and B.F. Skinner and Carl Rogers and these guys you've been mentoring under, are, are they the brilliant ones? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, Lord, I've already talked to you about this. They're not changing lives. And he said, so I want you to work with high school students, but I want you to be a youth pastor, not a social worker. And my response was, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> right. I never had a youth right. pastor, right? Because mm-hmm. in small town, rural America, you can afford one guy, maybe. And that's the pastor. Mm-hmm. You can't afford a secretary. You can't afford, you know, an associate pastor, a children's mm-hmm. pastor, certainly not a youth pastor. So I said, I don't even know what they do. And Lord, I have no training. And I have no education in this. I don't have a Bible major or nothing. I'll teach you. Okay, so then I say, and, and where were you thinking we were going to do this? Here's the kicker. And Let's I hear mean, this. the kicker. That's here, the kicker. <laughs> I want you to go back to your hometown and do it there. Wow. And where was this? Where, where was you Grantsburg, Wisconsin. Oh, I've been to Grantsburg. Burnett County. We call yeah. it Burnt Out County. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay? Because it's got Small the Small rural Wisconsin. Yep. Small town rural Wisconsin. To tell you, to, to convince you that this is not on my plan, when I hear this answer, I sat in my seat and bawled. Oh, I bet. Not there, God. I'll be a youth pastor, but don't send me back to my home community. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and you know why? I mean, there's so many things going on in my head. I go, right. that's where I came from. It's a dead end. There's right. nothing going on there. The streets roll up mm-hmm. at five o'clock. Everybody lives in the bars. There's no one to date. There's no one I'd want to have a Coke or a root beer with. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, bar, bar hoppers. I don't mm-hmm. want a guy that I have to evangelize and disciple and all that because there just is nothing there Mm -hmm. romantically. And I'm 22. 
you know, I want a life. Mm -hmm. I want a romantic life. And that's not going to happen where I'm from. So I bawled. And then here's what the Lord gently said. Didn't you just sign the paper? Yeah, I did. (laughs) And then he said, then we don't need to talk about it anymore. Mm. You already knew his answer, so. Are you going to follow the blank Mm. piece of paper? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And they didn't look like good. Right. <laughs> they they looked didn't like, look good at yeah. the moment. They looked yeah. like evil plants, right? Yeah. So tell us about this ministry to youth that uh, you you stepped into there in, in your homeland. I've thought about it so much because I was there almost 20 years. So you could say my life has two halves, mm-hmm. 20 years of Burnett Polk Youth Ministry in Northwest Wisconsin. And then 22 years in global missions. Really, wow. it's, it's about half and half. The best way I could describe youth ministry, keep in mind, I knew nothing. We were not mentored. We were not, I should go back and explain a little bit more about that, but we started completely cold. Um, there wasn't a, pa- a youth pastor in the area that could mentor us because there wasn't any. We were not in a church. We were we were told by area churches, there's four towns we want you to reach, Grantsburg, Siren, Webster, and Frederick. We were more like Young Life or Youth sure. for Christ, mm-hmm. if right. you're familiar with that, yeah. right? Absolutely. And so we went after unchurched, lost mm-hmm. kids. We were in a different school, a different town every day of the week. Our scope of ministry was huge. It wasn't like a youth group mm-hmm. at your church, right? It was like all the high school students in four different towns. Oh, my word. So Charles Dickens said, it was the best of times, and it was the worst (laughs) of times. It was the age of wisdom and the Mm -hmm. age of foolishness. That would best describe the youth ministry. Now, it's fair to say we suffered. We were offered a salary. It was myself and my friend, the first person I led to the Lord, Chris Ullman, now Anderson high school friend that was really a party animal. Mm, that's powerful. <laughs> and um, so God changed her life overnight. He flipped her. Mm. And she was at Stout, University of Wisconsin, Stout, in Menominee. Mm-hmm. And she got saved there, I believe, as a freshman. And so was discipled a lot by InterVarsity. I want to mm-hmm. do a shout out to InterVarsity and any college ministry that's pouring into college kids at such a mm-hmm. critical time of Absolutely their life. Absolutely Chris grew mm-hmm. so much to the point, yeah, God spoke to her also separately from me at Urbana. Oh, we both my. knew we were called there. Then you know that that's God speaking. I mean, I mean yes. she was a home major. I was yeah. social work, not youth ministry. Oh, right? Incredible. And so, um, yeah, we made $500 a month. Between the two of you? Each. Oh, each. But we were paying college loans, mm. car payments, rent. Yep. You got to know that 500 a month isn't going to cut it, right? I right. mean, there was always more month at the end of the money, mm-hmm. always. There were so many times that we had less than $1 to our name, digging for coins in our cars or in the sofa. Or I mean, we were broke. We lived in a 20 by 20 cabin. 
400 square feet, you better get along with your friends because there's not, your friend, there's not a lot of places to hide. There's not a lot of space. You can't get away, right? And so it was just those first two years were so rough. By the end of the first two years, I'd have to say, we didn't love God very much. Uh, we didn't love high school students mm-hmm. very much. And we didn't love each other very much. Mm-hmm. Like, it had sucked the life out of us. Um, we went into it like, I mean, our imagination of what it was going to be like mm-hmm. was so unrealistic. We knew that within a year there was going to be a huge revival in Burnett County because who could turn down Jesus? Right. That's right. Like the best offer you've ever had in your life, like all this in heaven too? Right. You know, people weren't as interested as we thought they were going to be. So I just want to pause right there. I want to, I want to, I want to interject here because um, I believe that there's someone listening right now that has had the expectations and hopes that we all have. I've had them in ministry, mm-hmm. and then we realize, well, wait a minute here, th- there's disappointments that come, mm-hmm. incredible dis- setbacks. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's people aren't receiving the, the message. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're not quite sure how we're supposed to tackle the mm-hmm. task at hand, like you described going into your situation. Clueless. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we could, there could be someone listening that's like, hey, I, I, I'm clear on what I'm supposed to be doing and the method and how I'm supposed to do it. But, but whatever their setback is, whatever their challenge is, what, what, we were going to hear how this panned out because obviously after two years, you were there another 18. So, so, so the, the Lord must have moved there. I want to hear mm-hmm. that. But what, what would you say to that person today that's listening and they're really in, in, a, in a disappointment, a struggle season right now? that we could just give them a, a, a lift and give them some encouragement right now. I hope this is encouraging. For me, what always kept me going, what always kept me in the fight was I knew I was called. Mm. So to everyone listening, I would ask this question. Do you know for sure that you're called? Because if we're not certain of our calling, we're probably not going to last. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, undeniably, unmistakably, I could say, I know you called me, God. And when he called me, he didn't tell me it was going to be easy. Mm-hmm. He called me to a hard place, back to my hometown. And so there were times when I was telling God, I'm done. I am throwing in the towel. God, look at how many pastors you brought into my community. <clears throat> you let them leave. They come and go like a revolving door. Why do I have to stay? Mm-hmm. And here was his question every time. Did I not call you? I think calling Bill and Heather Mm -hmm. is critical. Because if you're doing it because, hey, wouldn't it be great to stand up on a stage and Mm -hmm. talk for about a half an hour a week and get paid for it? Nobody really knows how much I'm golfing or fishing or hunting. Mm -hmm. The money rolls in. I don't have to punch a clock and all this. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. But we better know that God called us to this job. Right. And it's not a job. It's not like, you know, it's not yep, like anybody absolutely. else's. It's a calling. It is. It's Ministry a, is a calling. It's a calling. And it's, that's it's what so kept good. me. Uh, one time I went home to the farm and asked my dad, can I be on a tractor all day? Uh, give me some field work. I just want to cultivate or I want a disc or mm-hmm. I want to cut hay. I just want the tractor all day. And I'm out there on the tractor. 
I am yelling at the heavens. I'm yelling at God. I'm in the country, so I can yell because I don't have a neighbor 10 feet away, right? <laughs> that's convenient. Yep. Yeah, that's convenient. And I'm just shouting. I'm shaking my fist, and I'm bawling my head off. I hate this. I hate this, God. I'm not getting paid squat. This is hard work. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we saw a kid give their life to the Lord? You know, I mean, I'm just, everything was unfiltered mm-hmm. and unscripted. And so... Are you done yet? That's the voice I hear from. Are you done yet? And then he asks that critical question. Did I not call you? Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Are you sure of that? Yes, I am, Lord. You know, Diane, if you want to quit, I'll let you. I know what you've been through. And I'll bless you whatever you choose to do because you've been obedient in a very hard place. I cried, and after a few minutes, I asked the Lord, thank you for being willing to release me. I'm so grateful that you're not making me stay. But what did you really want? And he said, I wanted you to stay. I want you to stay. And I said, because you released me and honored my will, I'll stay because you've been so mm. kind to let me choose. Mm, I love that. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. That's a and moment right there. That's a, that was a moment mm. for me. I saw the goodness of God, and I saw free will, and I mm. saw him. You're not my slave. Mm-hmm. You're not a puppet on a string. You're not some robot. I'm not going to make you. You have free will. I'd like you to stay because I had plans for you here, right? Yes. And so I stayed another, I don't know, 15 years, something Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But um, that's where I say, for anyone listening, can you be, uh, I'm not saying I'm Moses or I'm, you know, the Apostle Paul, but I am saying this, I can tell you my burning bush, and I can tell you my road to Damascus, and I know when I was called. And that is foundational Mm -hmm. to my entire ministry life. Yes. Go ahead, I was just going to say, that's just so good. And it just, you know, that quote you always hear is, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And, you know, that just puts it in so much perspective with your story there. That's exactly right, Heather, because mm-hmm. if anyone was unqualified, mm-hmm. you're sitting across the table from her. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't have been more unqualified. And there's times quite frequently, where I'm on some platform, some stage, and I'll pinch myself and say, how did you get me here? I know who I am. I'm a farm girl mm-hmm. yes. from a little no-name place, yes. and somehow you got me here, mm-hmm. and I'm, I can't believe this is the life I get to live. You know, a lot of people, they want my life, because right now it looks pretty glorious. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm an international missionary. I go all over the world. I have all these exotic experiences that people pay big money for. Mm -hmm. I'm not on a cruise ship or some artificial thing. I'm in the the real places, right? right. You're on the ground. I get to see things and experience Mm -hmm. things that nobody Mm -hmm. else gets to that pays, you know, five to 10,000 for. Yeah, that looks great. But then I tell people, you want to hear the first 20? Mm-hmm. That's right. You want to hear the foundational years? You, you want, want to do hear, what I yes. had to do to get to, <laughs> to where I am. Exactly. Yes. And let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's jump on. There's probably 
tons of stories we can hear about that those rest of those years in youth ministry. But how did you go from youth ministry in a small rural country in northwest Wisconsin? to do global missions. Tell, tell us that story because yeah. we want to we hear how that transition yeah. took place to get it's you from a, where you were to where you are. Such a major shift in, in everything and a big leap. So I, I can't wait to hear I it. got goosebumps <laughs> again. I'm getting, this is such a great thing to take a trip down memory lane and to see, you know, I say when you're in your 20s, all you have in front of you is foresight, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't see. It's kind of, now I look through a glass dimly. It's mm-hmm. like you're trying to focus your binoculars because you, in your 20s, you just can't see. But when you get to be my age, I'm 65 now. The rear view mirrors are clear, mm-hmm. and you can see everything. Oh, that's why God did this, and that's why God Isn't did that, that so right? Isn't that so cool to be able to see the, yeah, the domino effect of, oh, what, because I did this, this happened, and God and, used this stepping stone to get to here. Yeah, I exactly. Love I love so, that, Heather. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's those, when we look back on our life, that's when you mm-hmm. see those dots that are right. connected. And yes. You can see the hand of the Lord and the, and the, and the will of the Lord mm-hmm. along the way, but we can't always see that. Looking forward. While we're in the midst I of think it. my yeah. first experience would have been I was taking high school students from my little town down to Monterey, Mexico on short term missions trips. It was after Hurricane Gilbert. We were going into the barrios, the slum areas, and rebuilding shacky little, uh, smaller than an ice house, you know? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. what people were living in was really, really challenging. It was gather up some sticks and some tin sheets that floated down the river and some cardboard boxes and make a makeshift house. Okay, so I'm down there, but there's a lot of youth groups that come down to Mexico, right? And I'm still just up in northwest Wisconsin. And I laid on the roof of this little Bible school one night, and I'm looking up into the stars in between uh, San De Cristo mountain range, I think. And I said, Lord, I don't just want to go to Mexico. I want to go all over the world. You said, ask of me, and I will give you nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for yes. your possession. Mm-hmm. Psalm 2.8. That's right. And I said, that, and I'm still, I'm young. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, this is in my 80s. I just graduated from Bethel in 1980, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I want the world, Lord. Other people can come to Mexico. Let them all come here. Mexico doesn't need me. But the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. That's so that was kind of my first like challenge to God. I want more. Well, then there's pieces, kind of like these domino pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So then I do another big risk and uh, I invite this guy. I don't know him, I've never met him. I invite Lauren Cunningham to come no. to my little town. Lauren doesn't know me. I've never been through YWAM. I'm, I, I've read one book of his. Is that really you, God? Okay. So in case someone doesn't know, tell us, who's Lauren Cunningham? Lauren, Lauren Cunningham is the founder and president of the largest youth ministry organization, missions, missions in the world. More young people have gone into missions and have gone through YWAM than any other. Youth with a mission, YWAM. Yeah. Yep, youth with a mission. So I invite Lauren to come, and you know what? He says, yeah. And so wow. he comes to Grantsburg, this town of less than a thousand people, and he's standing up in the gym in front of my hometown, talking about the world like the farm, like his backyard, uh-huh. like the back 40, right? And then he says, 
This year, I'm going to be in the continental U.S. less than one week. Oh, my. And he's in my hometown for four days. So what? In March of like 92-ish. And I'm like, I sit there stunned. I bet. This guy is all over the world. He has hundreds of bases. I'm not a YWAMer. And he's in my hometown and he's going to be less than a week in the United States in the mainland. I'm like, okay, God, I'm listening now, and right? He's spending half of that time with you. With me in a nowheresville, right? Mm-hmm. I, I clearly, that's a God mm-hmm. had my attention to kind of like sit up and yep. pay attention now, Diane. So then Lauren says, it's probably one of the first biggies again. Lauren goes, you know, Diane, you're serving in a pretty tough place, but I've noticed in your little town here, there's already all kinds of churches, Baptist and Lutheran and Methodist and Catholic, and you have churches out in the country. Did you know, Diane, that there's places in the world that don't have any churches of any kind? There's not a single church in a lot of villages. Um, your people, yeah, you've got a lot of lost people here, but they have an opportunity to hear the gospel, don't they? They have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Did you know that in many places of the world, people have yet to hear about Jesus a single time? I want to challenge you to take a sabbatical if you can. Take some time off of your youth ministry here and uh, do a YWAM Crossroads DTS. I probably was 35 at the time or so. Come and do a Crossroads Discipleship Training School for adults. And um, I want to get you exposed to some of the rest of the world mm. outside. That must have been of, exciting. And so I went to my board, and they said yes. They granted me a leave. I didn't have any money. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any money. Right. So how am I going to pay for this? I needed 5000 like an annual salary, right? Right, right. So I run into this guy. He said, anything new in the ministry? And I go, yeah, Don, there is something new. Um, I've been offered uh, opportunity to have a sabbatical. International Ministerial Fellowship is a non-denominational organization of nearly 1,500 members. We license, credential, and ordain pastors, parachurch workers, and evangelists. We endorse military and civilian chaplains. We are also a sending agency for missionaries, providing many services including donor communications, accounting, and much, much more. We serve those who serve others in frontline Christian ministries. So for more information, visit our website at imfserves.org. He goes, well, what's that going to cost? And I said, 5000 bucks, you know, for six months. Mm-hmm. So uh, classroom instruction, three months, you know, on, and then, mm-hmm. and then two months in other countries. The guy goes, you know, we have a board meeting tonight at church. I'm going to bring it up. I'll get back to you. So he calls me the next day and said, you know what? The board voted unanimously to grant you that money. Oh but my. we felt like you asked for too little. Uh, your car doesn't look so great. And maybe when you come back, you need to get some different wheels. Anyway, we voted to give you $10,000. Oh Praise my. God. This is a church that had been given us like 100 a month consistently for years. Never anything like this. And all of a sudden, I got 10 grand. I can go. I have money in the bank. So anyway, it was clearly, obviously, God was you know, given Absolutely. more than a nudge. Yeah, he His was provision. flying the doors open. And saying, yes. do this. Yes. Do yes. it, Diane, do it. 
So that was, you know, whenever God has something new to us, new for us, he usually uses people, circumstances, counsel. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that kind of the green lights line up. Okay, you know? wait, I, I, have to, I, have to, I have to interject here. Okay, this is where you write this down. When you're listening, you go, okay, what did she just say? If I could just like rewind the cassette tape, that dates me. Uh, <laughs> what did you just say? When the Lord starts lining things up, what were some of those things that you just said? You'll have circumstances or events that will line up. You'll meet people like meeting Lauren. You'll have somebody come into your life that speaks into your life. You'll have godly counsel from those around you. Yes, this feels mm-hmm. right. When you're having devotions, God will just like spotlight verses. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it was verses like Psalms 2.8. Ask of me. I'm, so then I'm rewinding that laying on the roof and I'm going, this is it. Yes. Like God is going to open up the door mm-hmm. to the nations. Yes. Confirmations. Right? So those confirmations like that. And then I have to share one more with you because this is, this is the clincher. And I share this story so often. I'm sure you heard it at your church, Bill. I, one of the places YWAM sent me was a very remote, rural, unreached place in the Philippines. I was wondering mm-hmm. if we would get to this story. And, and, okay, <laughs> listeners, lean in right here. This is about to get really good. Okay, so I am sent to this part of the Philippines where there are 50 villages along the seaboard and up in the mountains. Look at the census report for 1980 to the 1990 census report. Number of churches, zero. Now you think about that. For you listening, what would your community be like if every single church was lifted off the historical topography of your area and there had never been a single Christian church? No Mm -hmm. pastor. No one to marry you, no one to bury you, no Sunday school to go to, no church on Sunday morning, no vacation Bible school, no camp, no one to baptize you. What would your community look like if the presence of the Lord was never there mm. through his church? That is a picture right there. I, and that's where we were. I don't even imagine. Like, I, that's... Right? None. Zero. Okay, there was one, and it was the one pastor and his little bamboo stilt church that we partnered with. So every single day we were in another village and another village and another village. And every night we showed the Jesus film. Shout out for the Jesus film. Number one evangelistic tool in the world. Something like 5 billion people have seen it. It's absolutely incredible. It's the story of Jesus Mm -hmm. from the book of Luke. It's mesmerizing. It's captivating. It's not the chosen, but it's straight up, Mm -hmm. word for word, the book of Luke. So we are showing this in this village high up in the mountains called San Isidro. This church, uh, this village does have a church, but the church is built around a corpse. The only church, other than the one we partnered with, is is a little tiny white chapel, and at the front of the chapel, in a plexiglass box, is Lolo Jose, this dead dude. No. (laughs) 
His corpse is in the box, and this is why people are, whoa, this guy is worth worshiping, right? Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh. When I heard about this, I said to my team, we're getting up to that mountain. Mm -hmm. We're going to get up there no matter what. So we are having the Jesus film in the schoolyard on a sheet hung between two trees. And everyone, 500-ish people in the village, they're all there. Every little kid, every baby, every mom and dad, every grandpa and grandma, everybody. Because they don't even have electricity, much less have seen a movie, right? Mm. So just a naked light bulb is like a wow. Right. Like, what is that? <laughs> what, what is that? Yeah. Did the star just come down and hang there? And you're coming in with a drive-in theater here well, on, right. a, on a sheet. <laughs> on a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone sits spellbound for two hours as they encounter Jesus. Mm. And at the end, one of my friends on the team gets up, and anybody want to give their life to Jesus, you know, we're here. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not dead. He's not a corpse like Lolo mm -hmm. Jose. He's alive today. He has risen from the dead. And he sent us to your village so that you could meet him. So if you would like to pray tonight, just come forward and, and we'll pray with you. A little bit of a Billy mm -hmm. Graham type mm -hmm. thing, yep. you know? Shout out to Billy. Um, <laughs> the whole village stampedes us. Everyone comes running up. They all, I mean, they love Jesus. Mm. They never met anyone like him. So I say to the gal that did kind of like the altar call, make it harder. Make it harder. Emphasize repentance and giving up your false yeah, gods. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's see if they really mean it kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, they've got little. Uh, necklaces to ward off mm -hmm. the demons, and they've mm -hmm. got, you know, other figurines mm -hmm. and stuff, other demonic symbols, whatever. No, we just want Jesus. We just want Jesus. What a powerful oh story. Goodness. Okay, so then, what then what's testimony. next? Two things. Moms are pushing forward, not everybody, about 15 moms are bringing their little kids up. Okay, so I say to the high school translator who's like 15, hey, ask these moms why they came up here. So she does, and the moms say, because none of our kids can speak anymore. Anymore is the emphasis. And I said, what do you mean? Like your kids used to talk and now they're mute? Yeah. They can't say one intelligent word. And so there's like 15 of them there. And Bill, I look up and I say, God. I hope you're paying attention because we are in so far over our heads. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm a good Baptist girl, right? We didn't do this kind of stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, this was, you know, the exorcist. Those, you know, that's the weird stuff, right? And so here I am in front of mute kids who evidently are possessed by a mute spirit or something. I don't have a clue what to do. So, Lord, I would suggest that if there's any time you show up, Tonight might be one of those. Now, now might be it. Yes. Yeah, now might be it. And, yes. I, and I threatened him. Mm -hmm. I said, if you don't, you're going to look bad. <laughs> because this was like the first impression rose mm -hmm. on The Bachelor, right? <laughs> <laughs> this village just got the first impression mm -hmm. rose with Jesus, right? And now uh, they want to see if he can do that stuff that he did. So I'm asking the Lord, like, bring it. And... Uh, then he's this another one of those times so clearly. He stands up. I got to do it too because I can still see him. He's got his arms crossed. Oh, sorry. 
He's got his arms crossed like this in front of him. He stands up, and he's got a smirk on his face. He's got this robe with a white rope, a rope tied around it. And he looks down at me, and he's having fun. Like you could just see the glimmer in his eye. And he said, you know, Diane, I've seen your ministry. Tonight, I'm going to show you mine. Is that the best that or what? Is so great. And I didn't feel condemned. Mm. It yeah. wasn't like he was going nah 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 or like condemning me. He was just saying, like, this is what it looks like when there's I do more. ministry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there's yeah. more. He's gonna put his super on your natural. Exactly. Yep. And so I go, that's fine with me, bring it. So I'm standing there waiting for him to like show up, right? And I look up after a little while. Hey, are you gonna just do something <laughs> on your own or am I supposed to help? <laughs> I mean, this is just, I like this because no training again. You're just being real. Right. For those of you, this is unscripted. This night was also unscripted. Yes. It was just real. And I felt like the Lord said, put your hand on that little boy right in front of you, about seven years old maybe, and just pray for him. And so I did, and this was basically my prayer. I guess, God, this kid can't speak, and there's not a diddly thing I could do about it. I don't know if diddly is King James or not, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I just said, not a diddly thing I can do about it. So if you want this kid to speak, then you're going to have to fix him. And boom, he falls over backwards like I shot him between the eyes. I freaked. Like, what did I just do? Well, I just, I said to the Lord, and now this kid is dead, and I don't know how to raise the dead either. (laughs) Okay, long story short, that night, every single person was delivered from demons and was able to speak. Only the Lord. People wanted to hug me, wanted to hug the team, and I kept pointing to the sheet and saying, (laughs) it was him, it was him, you know, it was Jesus, Jesus, not me. Then we get done with the demon-possessed kids, maybe 15. Then they bring up all the sick, the uh, disabled. Mm. Now pray for them too. So we did. And by sunrise, people are healed and kids are delivered. Show and tell. A show and tell. And I walked off to the side and I said to the Lord, you and I both know what just happened. And you said, it will be done according to your faith. And you said that over and over again. And you and I both know what the thoughts in my mind were while we were going through this night. Mm -hmm. I said, I was thinking the whole time, good luck. Mm -hmm. Like I never seen anything like this before. And I said, every person I prayed for, I had doubt. I didn't even have a mustard seed, and you and I both know that very well. Mm. So if it's done according to your faith, then what in the world just happened? You're right, Diane. You didn't have any, but they did. Mm. The faith of the people. The faith of the people who just met Jesus. And you know what? They actually fully believed that if Jesus did it in the movie, why couldn't he do it in their village? Yes. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't he cast out demons still and heal the sick? And I was really like a little bit slapped up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, you're right. It was them that had never heard of you before. Okay, so then what got me from youth ministry to this? That was a long answer to a short question. It's the a powerful chief, story. The mm-hmm. chief powerful of the story. village came up to me at as sunrise and said, 
How long ago did this Jesus live here? I did not want to tell him. I said, it's been quite a while, sir, quite a while. And he said, I don't want to hear quite a while. Do you know about how many years? And I said, I do. And you're not going to like the answer. It's been about 2,000 years, sir. His eyes filled with tears, and he said, How come it's taken so long for you to get here? His face and his tears and his question are what compel me. They drive me. I never, ever will forget those two questions or his face. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, and so because of that experience with YWAM, with this village, um, I have thought often how many more villages are like San Isidro, Mm -hmm. places in the world that have never heard. And that is the driving force behind Global Seed Planners, Mm -hmm. is we got to get to the places where no one's ever been before. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we have to bring the message of Jesus. They need to meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... um, I just want to say that that question is so potent. What took you so long? What took you so long? And I think it, it almost makes me just want to pause and just like, just let that rest on us for the Great Commission, the call Amen. on all of us mm-hmm. as carriers of the good news of the gospel. And, um, and to know, that, like what you're saying here, Diane, that there are people, there are villages, um, even after all these years and all of the evangelistic work that's taken place over the, the ages, that there are still people groups. A lot. Mm-hmm. That need to be reached for Jesus. And um, Yeah, you know, when you look at the data, what drove me next is um, Dr. Ralph Winter, the founder of the U.S. Center of World Missions. He really has done the research and the data. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, considered one of the most influential leaders in the last hundred years. Very, a missiologist statesman. And, you know, depending on who you're, the data that you're getting from, I tend to get from Joshua Project, which is a very respected mm-hmm. place of data. Um, roughly 42% of the world have never heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, there's thousands of people, groups representing millions, billions, we're at a number of about 3.2 billion. They don't know who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. The average Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim wouldn't know a Christian they could speak to, even if they'd heard something about Jesus. There's just nada. There's nothing there. There's no knowledge Mm -hmm. of Jesus, no knowledge of... They might have heard his name, but do they understand the gospel? Do they understand why he came? You know why it's left? It's left because I'm going to speak to the American church. We're wimps. We like electricity. Mm -hmm. We like roads. We like infrastructure. We like a toilet that flushes. We like to stand under a shower with hot and cold water. We like our boxes, our, our stoves, our refrigerators, our dishwashers. We like a comfortable life, and what's left is not comfortable. 
What's left is left because it's hard. It's geographically hard. It's politically hard. It's spiritually hard. The ends of the earth are simply tough. So we send our missionaries to places where the gospel's already been, to people that have already heard, um, to comfortable zones, and this kind of transitions to what makes us different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We're really not about this anymore. We believe in the home field advantage. Mm-hmm. When you can play on your home field where you speak the language and you know the culture and you understand the ways and you know the strongholds and you know the religion, and 401k is four numbers in a letter in the alphabet, mm-hmm. nobody that I work with has a retirement plan. Nobody I work with needs eight, ten thousand a month mm-hmm. to live on. Nobody I work with has to have a furlough. Now, now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying people that have laid down their lives and have gone to other countries are wrong. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that for pennies on a dollar, I can support an indigenous worker who's not going to leave for any reason. They're not coming home because their mm-hmm. mom died. They're not coming home because their kid needs to go to college. They're not coming home because it's tough. You know, they don't run when there's a war. And if they do, it's to go to an IDP camp or a refugee camp. It's not to come back to America, right? Mm -hmm. And so we focus on the least, the last, the lost. Mm -hmm. We focus on the 1040 window, Mm -hmm. which is 10 degrees north of the equator to 40 degrees north. And it's a rectangular window that extends from West Africa to the Philippines. Mm -hmm. It includes all the isms, tribalism, Buddhism, Hinduism, um, Islam, uh, communism. It's the dark window Mm -hmm. of the world where the Gospels had little penetration and where the majority of unreached people live. It's also where people are extremely poor. They're living on less than two bucks a day. We can't even begin to fathom that in America. No, we can't. can't. I mean, it's just the poverty level is excruciating. This is the window where Jesus wants to come into this dark window and Mm -hmm. turn on the lights. Mm. So powerful. He wants to turn on his light, right? right? But unless we're willing to go there intentionally, we're intentionally focused. We call it thumb. I shared that with you last night, Bill. Tell me that. Thumb is an acronym, literally for my thumb. It stands for tribals, Hindus, unreligious, Muslim, and Buddhist. I grant you the unreligious. Say it one more time. Tribals, that's my T in thumb. H is Hindus. U is unreligious. M is Muslim. B is Buddhist. That's where our focus is. That's where we invest our time, our money, our strategies. And it's always, this is what makes us unique, I don't support Western missionaries. I support the home field Mm -hmm. advantage in every case. Um, We also believe, you know, Global Seed Planters, if you looked at our impact statement, um, if you guys want to see that, those that are listening, we can. Yeah, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna attach that here. So okay, at the end. So so people can uh, g- get a copy of this or pull this up online, and they can look at your three initiatives of your ministry. Just absolutely powerful. Okay, um, so I want to say that is not us. It's impossible for us to be able to accomplish what you'd see on an mm-hmm. impact statement. It's because of a few things. One. Jesus said he never did anything except he heard the Father 
saying it. He did what the Father instructed him. So just like I told you how my ministry began, God called me and I know it. Mm -hmm. Same way with our work. We do what the Lord tells us to do. And I could share story after story how the Lord let us do this, Mm -hmm. do this, do this. And so one is it's tough to have a ministry if you don't know how to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Hearing the voice of God is critical mm-hmm. because if Jesus, if Jesus couldn't do any work except he heard the Father say, do we think mm-hmm. we can? So what are we going to go to conference with and steal somebody else's good idea? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, that guy walked seven times around Jericho. Let's try that too. Well, that was his mm-hmm. instructions, not mine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, um, especially men, I think. You know, women are more, Heather and I are more driven by relationships because mm-hmm. we're, we're girls, right? Men are driven by success. And they, whenever I sit around a table with pastors, I call it the three Bs, buildings, bodies, and budgets. <laughs> so the conversation mm-hmm. almost always comes around to kind of this pecking order. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, how many people attend your church on a Sunday morning? Or what do you guys run on a Wednesday night? Or how big is your youth group? Mm-hmm. You know, people want to know the numbers. We need to broaden what we talk about, because, that's for sure. Yeah, because we can, right? And then, and then it's, uh, um, what's your annual budget? You know, so you know, my budget's mm-hmm. this. And oh, man, he's doing $10 million a year. Wow. And have you had a building program recently? Mm-hmm. So I listen to men talk, and I go, what does this have to do with the kingdom? You know, it's not about buildings, bodies, and budgets. It's about, are we winning the lost? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are we making disciples? Do you have more at your church simply because you're a better talker and have a better worship band or more smoke and mirrors? Or are people coming from the bars? Are they coming off the streets? Mm -hmm. Are we really winning the lost? Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I want to know is, what's your discipleship? I don't even want to say program. What's your discipleship kind of? Method. Method or plan yeah. or how do you do this? Jesus did it this way. Come, follow me. He didn't have a, can't look at him and say, here's his program, here's the curriculum. Mm-hmm. It's come, follow me, and I'll make you disciples of men, mm-hmm. fishers of men, right? Mm-hmm. So they just got to hang out with Jesus, and all of that eventually rubbed off, right? And so what are we doing mm-hmm. for discipleship? So. Yeah, we're driven by that. We want to see lost people come to Jesus. So I love this. This, this last year we saw, this is our combined ministry efforts. 35,875 people gave their lives to Jesus. Incredible. Thank you, Lord. Wow. 332 house church fellowships were planted mm. in places that no presence of the Lord was there before in the form of a church of any kind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's what we're after. I feel like the Lord is asking global seed planters, are you being intentional about the giants that roar in the world and mock me? Mm -hmm. Are you going after those giants, you know, with your slingshot? Because that's what I feel our ministry is. We just got the crudest of stuff Mm -hmm. and the smallest of a budget. But we've got five smooth stones in our pocket, mm-hmm. right? That's so and, good. And those are, the Lord is challenging us saying, you can't do this on your own. The things I've mm-hmm. called you to do, you can't do on your own. Get five smooth partnerships. Mm-hmm. 
find other ministries or organizations that are also after the thumb, tribals and Hindus and unreligious and Muslim and Buddhist. Align yourselves together with your best practices, your best resources, um, your best ideas, and go after those giants that Mm -hmm. mock me together. And so we're firm believers in unity. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know for sure the reference, but um, that we operate in unity for there it is there that the lord commands how good and pleasant it is when brothers operate or act in unity for it is there that god commands his blessing we've been blessed this last year and you know what i think a big reason was we pushed unity Mm -hmm. because we're saying on a farm we have a silo and everything goes into this tall, narrow silo. Mm-hmm. And God is saying, you know what, Diane, you can't operate in your own silo. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the kingdom. I have many, many silos, right? Yes. I got the harvesters. Yeah. <laughs> you got that little narrow cement one. You need to go after the harvester silos right. and bring in more people to get the harvest in. Yes. Broaden those silos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, broaden the silos. And so we've really pushed for unity with other organizations. You know, Jesus' prayer, too. Father, make us one so the world will know. Not, Father, make me bigger and greater. Give me more money. Bless me more. No, God, I want to operate in unity in the king. I don't want to, global seed planners, yeah, I'm the founder and president of that. I don't want that to be my kingdom. It's not my kingdom come, my will be done. We're after the Lord's kingdom, right? We want his kingdom to come. And Mm. this is what excites mm. me. Yes. Oh, I can so, feel the passion even as you're talking. Mm-hmm. I can. Uh, there's there's so much to to unpack if we had time mm-hmm. about your wonderful the work the Lord's doing through your wonderful ministry. Um, but I, I just want to key in on um, what you talked about there with partnerships. Mm-hmm. You talked about those five stones, really our partnerships. And you know, at, at IMF, that's what we're all about. We're all about um, uh, coming alongside people in ministry. And serving those who serve others in frontline Christian mm-hmm. ministries, and so IMF really is a conglomeration of ministry partnerships, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm so glad Diane that you are one of our our many beloved uh, ministry partners. Um, y- y- you know, we we would like to hear a little bit from you about how you got connected. Um, to IMF. Wouldn't that be great, Heather, yeah, to find I'd out about it, yeah. that I'd connection? I'd love to see how IMF has supported you and your ministry. I'll tell you. I don't think I'd be sitting here and speaking into this microphone if it wasn't for IMF. Mm. Uh, I don't know if either one of you have heard this story. I would love to hear it. How did you get connected? So I was actually at an elder meeting of a church in Wisconsin where another pastor from another organization had said, Diane, I think you're at a point where you need to be recognized as someone who's been called to ministry and it's all you've ever done. And so you need like credentials Mm -hmm. or something that would acknowledge, ordain, or license you. Mm -hmm. So um, I felt like this church would be a great place to do that because they'd supported me financially through all those youth ministry years. We'd become very good friends. And they had even offered me a position as a youth pastor. So I'm meeting with them. And then they asked me to step out, and then they brought me back in, and they said, uh, we have a unanimous policy, and there are 
a couple of people in this group that do not feel that women should be in ministry leadership. And so we would not be able to license Mm. or ordain you. I was kicked in the solar Mm -hmm. plexus. I bet. I can't even describe to you how painful that was. Because keep in mind, I was good enough Mm -hmm. to be their youth pastor. Right. Mm -hmm. But not good enough now to be recognized as a minister. How crushing to your heart. It was Crushing, I don't even know I have words for it, Heather. Mm -hmm. I walked down the hall, bawling, Mm -hmm. and headed towards the office. And I stepped into the church office. The secretary was a woman, and I said to her, she said, what's wrong? And I said, I just got kicked in the guts, I think, largely because I've been called to be a woman in ministry leadership, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I just don't know what to say. Could you pull up on the internet, just Google ordination and licensing and see what comes up. And you know what? IMF came up first. And I never heard of them. Mm. And I said, write that number down. That's something really good for Heather, the marketing person, to hear that marketing works. I didn't didn't know it was out there, right? Mm -hmm. And so I called and said, I would like an appointment with the president. Mm. I want to talk to him about IMF and what it would take to be Mm -hmm. licensed or ordained. And so I drove down to Fridley, where the first office was, or the one at the office I knew, right? And I still remember sitting there in the reception area, and then I was called to go back to Frank's office, Mm -hmm. which was back in the corner. And I didn't even go in. I stood at the doorway. And I said, sir, he was so warm, you know, Mm -hmm. like how Frank is, Mm -hmm. so engaging right away. I felt like safe with him. But I said, I don't want to come in and take any of your time. I really drove here just first to hear your answer to one question. And then that will determine if I come in and Mm -hmm. sit down or not. How do you and IMF feel about women in ministry leadership? And he laughed a little, chuckled a little, and he said, well, my mom still preaches every other Sunday, and she's 93. Would that help shed some insight? Uh, I I have goosebumps from hearing you say that because, you know, as being another woman. Right. And, you know, I just was like, you've got to be kidding Mm -hmm. me. And so you come right on in and sit Mm -hmm. down. So I bet I spent hour and a half, two hours with them. And it was very apparent to me. Mm-hmm. that mm, Frank had the spirit of Jesus, like so engaging, mm-hmm. and they've been nothing but that. They have believed in me. IMF mm-hmm. has always covered me, believed in me, supported me, prayed for me, worked their butts off for me when I started doing, I like I call it the happy meal deal, where they just mm-hmm. did everything for me. It was like the golden arches. I found the golden <laughs> arches when I found IMF, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have discovered that IMF is a unique, mm-hmm. one-of-a-kind place. And they have this ability to spread their wings kind of like a hen with her chicks and take in all the unique mm-hmm. ministries and ministers 
whether that be chaplains or those called to some music ministry or called to the homeless. They might not be your typical church person, yep. right? Right. And, That's right. And they recognize you and credential mm-hmm. you and stand by mm-hmm. you. And also broken ones, people that have been thrown under the bus, that mm-hmm. have gone through some real hell in ministry, they don't come and give you an additional kick in the ribs. Mm-hmm. IMF picks you up and That's right. licks your wounds and puts you in the ICU for a while mm-hmm. and just heart. takes care of you and loves on you and yes. prays for you and gets you back up on your feet. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you know you've been called to ministry, but you've been kicked to the curb, you've gone through some horrible stuff and you've just thrown in the towel and said, I quit. IMF is here for you. Mm-hmm. They've been here for me. and. I can pretty authoritatively say I would not be in ministry today if it wasn't for IMF. So good. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, being on staff here, it's so, so amazing to be able to hear your heart on that. So, you know, our, our joy here is to serve those who serve others. And so that's what we want to do. You do it well. Absolutely. Don't ever lose that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always, you know, there's some shifting changes Mm -hmm. goes on with different leadership, but we have to keep, you know, that book mission drift. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure we stay the course of the, of the true vision, the calling, the Mm -hmm. reason IMF exists. Because if something changes drastically in that, then we'll lose something very unique Mm -hmm. and special to the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what we're all about. I, Love hearing your story and your and and how the Lord led you to be a part of this family and and how over the years we have the privilege of partnering together and uh, and being a part of my goodness all of the lives that are being touched literally around the world. Um, Diane, this is an extraordinary conversation. Um, I, I want to just kind of close with the last mm-hmm. couple questions and uh, and and then bring it to a close. Um, so. What what's what's a what's one of the toughest challenges that you faced? Um, I, I think we've thrown, we've said this phrase a little earlier about wanting to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. There might be someone out there that that's you know in ministry and just mm-hmm. wanting to throw mm-hmm. in the towel. We want to bring encouragement to, to 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 our listeners today. And what's 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 one of the tougher challenges that you faced, and how did you get through that? I think one of the toughest challenges, I've already alluded to it, was on August 7th, 1957, my mom gave birth to a girl. Mm. And that girl was me. And God said that men and women are both created in his image. In the likeness of God, he created them, male Mm. and female. I really felt that all my life until I got into ministry. Um, all my life, I was treated equal uh, to guys. And then when I started ministry, I wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. I was treated as a second-class citizen. I was treated as an inferior gender. Um, it was really brutal, really, mm-hmm. really brutal. I've cried a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never thought about changing my gender, but what I went through in the church would have been a reason to consider it had I been born in this time, because it was so, like, I've had so many painful experiences, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to dwell on them. I want to dwell on this, talking again to the Mm -hmm. Lord about it on a country road and said, 
well, God, why didn't you make me a guy if you gave me these gifts? Because then I would be accepted. Mm-hmm. And this whole covering issue, Lord, you know, what am I supposed to do about covering? I don't even know what that looks like. I'm not married. And so some people don't feel I have a covering because I don't have a husband. And the Lord spoke to me again so clearly and gently on that side road out in the countryside and said, I'm your covering, honey. You have the best covering in the world. And don't worry about all those doors that have slammed in your face. You need to know that I'm a gentleman, and gentlemen always open doors Mm -hmm. for ladies. Mm -hmm. So all the doors I want you in, I'll make sure the door is opened. And the ones that are shut, don't go pound Mm -hmm. on those, because those are not doors I am opening Mm -hmm. for you. So leave those doors shut and just walk away and walk through the ones I present to you. That's so good. It's been so freeing, Heather, Mm -hmm. that I don't... I'm not a women's liber. I'm not a mm-hmm. feminist. I'm just one who lets my heavenly bridegroom mm-hmm. open doors for me. Carry, He's good at doing that. I mean, Carry me across the threshold. And so look at this. This is all doors mm-hmm. he's opened up. Yes. And it goes back to, you know, the very beginning of us talking where he flung those doors open for you to go, you know, be part of the YWAM mission stuff and everything you know, else. I love that, that God is a gentleman and he opens doors and to not go through the so doors. So those ladies aren't. out there listening, mm-hmm. and if you've gone through hell, and I know many of you have, do not embrace bitterness. Mm-hmm. Do not embrace a feminist agenda. The greatest women's liber to ever walk the planet is Jesus Christ. You just look in the Bible and see the way that Jesus opened doors for women, Mm -hmm. that Jesus liberated women, he freed women, he believed in women. Jesus is the one. So don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't Don't get on a soapbox with your agenda. Let the Lord... Be the one that opens doors of ministry Mm -hmm. for you. Then I would just add a couple more. I've gone through great financial challenges, as I shared with you. Mm -hmm. You know, living on nothing really for about 15, 20 years was tough. Then trying to rebuild life and ministry. You know, I live on donations. It's not, nobody salaries me, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, my whole ministry is dependent on the generosity Mm -hmm. of donors. And so... There have definitely been enormous financial challenges, but you know what? I wouldn't trade them for the world because it drives me to his knees. Mm. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And it's true. Mm -hmm. I wish you could see her smile as she says this. It's true. (laughs) But it's made me pray harder because I I don't know I'm just going to get the check on, you know, Monday or Friday or whatever. So Mm -hmm. the financial challenges have been enormous. And then I've gone through times, too, of just um, the rising up of the accusers. There's nothing that hurts more than accusations. Mm -hmm. I think it wears ministers down. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a horrible preacher. Why can't you preach Mm -hmm. like this? Or the worship band sucks. Or, you know, why can't we have a stage with some lights and some, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just accusations can be like, like a dripping faucet to our spirits and our souls. But I went through some really tough ones. I went through some sexual accusations that were leveled at me that were, wow, so painful. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I think that if we're in the trenches, if we're in the fight, you know, I watched mm-hmm. the football game last night. 
the Eagles and the Packers. This is the most fight I've seen in the Packers all year. They were both in the fight, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're mounting an offense, you're going to have a defense that's Mm going to be just as determined that you do not score. And it's the same in the kingdom. If you're If you have a ministry where you're in the trenches fighting for the gospel, for the kingdom of God to be advanced, whether that's in your church in America or on the mission field or in prison or wherever Mm -hmm. you are, if you do not face opposition, I would suggest to you that you be concerned. Mm -hmm. Because then maybe you're really not mounting any Mm -hmm. offense that the enemy takes seriously. This is so good. So, so good. I always feel like, hey, I've been coasting for a while. I'm not getting any, you know, defense. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's because what am I doing? Right. Right? Time to ramp up the offense. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and yeah, and ramp up your defense against the enemy and yeah. say, you know, I used to tell him, oh, for what you're doing to me right now, you sucker, I'm going to go after another unreached Buddhist people group and you are going <laughs> to so pay for this. <laughs> right? I would bring it to him. Mm-hmm. I am not letting you get away with this. Oh, Diane, this is so good. good. There's so many rabbit trails we could go off on, not rabbit trails, but but ones that would say, wow, we need to have Diane back for another episode. There's, there's, There's directions and things that we should be talking about with you because you have so much insight uh, to give to us. Um, and, uh, so we're going to look at that for the, for the future. Cause this, Heather, has this not been, been rich so or good. what? It's been so rich and so fulfilling to just hear your story. And I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been blessed just sitting here. I mean, especially as women in ministry, it's, you've blessed my socks off. I'll tell you that. Oh, thank it's you. So good. And, and we barely scratched the surface mm-hmm. of all your current ministry of what's happening all around the world. Mm-hmm. So we definitely want to make that available uh, online. So uh, check where this podcast is and we'll have a link there that will give her impact report for Global Seeds and um, Global Global Seed Planters is the name of Diane's ministry. And Diane, where can people find you? If they want to find you online and connect with you, how do they do that? Probably our best place is our website, globalseedplanters.org. Just go to globalseedplanters.org. You'll get a good visual of our ministry. Contact information is there as well. yeah, that's that would be your best place. That would be the best place. And if you are looking for someone to come speak at your church or come speak at a conference, I can attest I've I've been in those audiences before, even my own church when I was a lead pastor and had you there, Diane. And uh, I know that just the the content that people have heard today, there's there's even a whole lot more because you're just mm-hmm. a deep well. You're a, you're a seasoned deep well, and uh, so. Yeah, consider reaching out to Diane and have her come and be a part of sharing at your ministry. And I I hope this has been an encouragement to you today. That's our heart at IMF, to serve those who serve others in frontline Christian ministry. And an IMF unscripted podcast is really all about highlighting and encouraging and bringing leadership development and and, uh, and 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 tackling hot topics in ministry and and so much more. So we hope that you'll uh, share this podcast with others. I know as you were listening, you probably thought of several people they need to hear this. So go ahead and do that right now. Share our podcast. Help us get the word out. You can find us at imfserves.org. If you go to the IMF website, it's imfserves.org. And uh, yeah, please share this podcast where you like it and share the podcast with others. 
And um, I want we just want you to know as we're signing off today that, uh, friend, thanks for listening. You matter. You are making a difference. And we just want to encourage you to go make a ridiculously amazing day. And, and of always keep smiling. Thank you for listening today. If you found value in this episode, be sure to subscribe and share it with others. Don't miss the next one. We release new episodes every first and third Thursday of the month. We serve those who serve others in frontline Christian ministry. So for more information, visit us at imfserves.org.